Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, December 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today warmer than it has been. The high is going to be 56. And then Saturday, sunshine, high 53. Sunday, the worst day of the weekend, rain on and off throughout the day, the high 56. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 34 and clear in Larchmont up in Westchester County, 25 and clear in Mendham down in New Jersey, and it is 35 and clear outside our Midtown Studios, working our way up 6 o'clock hour to Sid and Friends in the morning. What a crazy morning it was in Newark. I got this phone call from, uh, I won't tell you who it is, but I got a phone call from somebody at New Jersey Transit, high up in New Jersey Transit, and they um, they said, do you see what's going on here? And I, 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 you know, no. I said, no, what's happening? He goes, there is a bull on the loose in downtown Newark, and uh, it uh, somehow got onto our train tracks at Newark Penn Station. And I was like, what? And uh, well, we get this story once in a while, and it it is always kind of fun because uh, these animals will get loose from a slaughterhouse. It's happened. I feel like in Queens there was one of these maybe six, eight months ago, and they go on the loose running all over town. As long as nobody gets hurt, all good. And what happens for these animals that get loose from the slaughterhouse is they're always taken to some farm all the way up in northern New Jersey or up upstate New York to live out their lives. So uh, yesterday... Same sort of thing happens. This longhorn bull shows up on the train tracks at Newark Penn Station. This was about 1030 yesterday morning. Uh, all kinds of people saw this bull. They couldn't figure out what was going on, why it was on the train tracks. This can't be happening in Jersey. Crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, but I'm glad that they got him and I'm glad he's safe. Yeah, so this bull delayed New Jersey Transit service for about 45 minutes between Newark Penn Station and Penn Station, New York. People are just like, oh, so this was somebody who was on a train that was pulling into Newark Penn Station and looked out the window and he saw this bull and he firstly didn't really believe what he was seeing and then he said, oh no, that's a bull. People are just like, well, maybe he's running from the slaughterhouse. The conductor's like, there's a bull on the track. And I said, what? I thought he was he was joking around. And then the train slowed down. And he's like, there it is. There it is. Yeah, so then it went from the train tracks. They weren't able to corral it there. And it was trotting around parts of Newark. And somehow it ended up near Newark uh, Airport, where sort of unbelievable that it was able to get that far. Those two things, you know, they're not 
incredibly close, but there's lots of highway between Newark Penn Station and Newark Airport. And everybody was moving back and everything. You better move because he's on the run. And I seen enough bulls to see that you can't get in their way. Yes, yeah, so police managed to corral the young bull inside this fenced lot near Newark Airport. They shot a tranquilizer at it um, and uh, fell asleep. Then they took it into, um, they called up this annual sanctuary that's up in northern New Jersey. I think it's Skyland Farms. And they asked them to come down and pick up the bull. And they said, we'd be happy to. And they came down with the trailer to put the bull in. And they're going to let this bull live out its life on a farm in northern New Jersey. He's got some big brands on him and bloody marks from them branding him. And he's probably had a rough life a little bit. He has to go through a lot of tests now before he can get near any other animals. Uh, make sure he's healthy and he's not got any diseases or anything like that that can be a threat to the other animals. This is his first chance at life. He had no chance before. You know, they, they would have killed him for sure. It's amazing he wasn't hit by a train or a car during the course of what was a couple hours that the bull was on the loose. Now he'll live out his life on a farm upstate New Jersey or northern New Jersey. The uh, Let's go down to Washington. The uh, It's all about this potential impeachment. The White House calling the impeachment inquiry to President Biden a baseless political stunt. They're wasting their time instead of doing the work of, on behalf of the American people. They go after the president's family. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre talking to reporters. She says there's zero evidence of wrongdoing by the president. What we're seeing from House Republicans is wasted time, and it is certainly baseless political stunt. What happened to the funding to Ukraine? Just ask me about Ukraine. They haven't been able to get that done. They haven't been able to help us fix what's going on at the border. There is no evidence that the president has done wrongdoing. There's none. So the House on Wednesday voted to formalize the inquiry. Republicans claim there is evidence the president benefited from foreign business dealings of his son, Hunter. The House giving the thumbs up. Uh, Congressman Mike McCall of Texas uh, says he says the White House left them with no choice as he looked at the evidence against the president. The White House counsel said they would not cooperate until we had an, a formal official vote on the House floor. We know there's enough predication to open up a special counsel investigation into this. So I don't understand why they think this is so politicized. Republicans feel the president benefited financially from his son's foreign business dealings. There's a push to officially vote on an impeachment before next year's election. Meanwhile, the president says he wants Israel to be more careful in its attacks on Hamas. He made these comments earlier this week. I want them to be focused. And then he repeated them, I should say, again yesterday. I want them to be focused on how to save civilian lives not stop going after Hamas but be more careful the Biden administration's been calling on Israel to be more precise in its attacks on Hamas in Gaza efforts Israel is now undertaking to be more surgical in their targeting and efforts that they are taking to help increase the flow of aid national security spokesman John Kirby there his uh, comments come as the national security advisor meeting with uh, top Israeli officials in Tel Aviv yesterday they're pushing for more humanitarian pauses and fighting to secure the release of hostages and get more aid into Gaza Jake also discussed the next phase of Israel's military campaign. And he asked hard questions, as we have been doing, 
about what all that could look like. Israel has faced widespread criticism as civilian casualties continue to rise in the Gaza Strip. Uh, thousands have been killed in the fighting. Uh, Israel had said, apparently, uh, according to reports, that this would, war would last a couple more weeks. But the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, saying yesterday, no, this thing could last a few more months. So it's going to get a whole lot uglier in the Gaza Strip and in Israel. 509, the Senate going to remain in session next week as bipartisan talks on border policy and Ukraine aid will continue. The Senate was scheduled to adjourn at the end of this week for the holiday recess, but lawmakers have decided to stay in town to make progress on a deal before the end of the year. Republicans are adamant that any aid for Kyiv in its war with Russia must be coupled with U.S. border policy changes, and the White House has taken a more prominent role in negotiations. The House, however, has already left town. I'm Lisa Taylor. Former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy saying farewell to Congress yesterday. Thank you for ever giving me this opportunity to serve you. To America, I loved every single day. California Republican giving his last speech on the floor yesterday as he's retiring at the end of the year. McCarthy thanking his constituents for allowing him to serve in the chamber. I'm so thankful to be given the opportunity to serve. I will be departing. But that doesn't mean I'll stop serving. And he called on his fellow lawmakers to do the right thing. Do not be fearful if you believe your philosophy brings people more freedom. Do not be fearful that you could lose your job over it. McCarthy ousted as speaker earlier this year by a handful of conservative Republicans unhappy with concessions he made to Democrats on a government spending bill. Disgraced former New York Congressman George Santos is now launching a subscription page on the social media platform X. Of course, that used to be known as Twitter. The Republican who used to represent parts of Long Island and Queens is promising he'll divulge details regarding Congress, the media and some celebrities to users who pay $7 a month for his content. Now, he's done really well on Cameo. He claims, anyway, that he's made hundreds of thousands of dollars making videos. The question is, will people say 7 bucks a month on Twitter X to hear what he has to say? Don't miss out on the piping hot tea for just $7 a month. You're <laughs> going to go nuts with what's coming your way. Wait, what is this? Piping hot tea? Don't miss out on the piping hot tea for just <laughs> okay. $7 a month. You're going to go nuts with what's coming your way. You see, I don't want to give him seven bucks. Maybe I can get the uh, company to do so. It comes after the ousted congressman's members started making those customized videos on Cameo, um, which late night talk host Jimmy Kimmel later used for a new segment called Will Santos Say It? So apparently... What Jimmy has done is he'll send these uh, comments to Cameo and see if Santos will say them. Hey, Congress people, beware. Okay, Santos is now threatening a lawsuit if Kimmel doesn't pay him $20,000 for those cameos. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, we'll look more into that. Down to Miami at 512, where a judge hearing testimony about pre-trial prison conditions for uh, this 13-year-old boy charged with first-degree murder of his mother. The judge deciding if Derek Rosa should stay in an adult prison or be transferred to a juvenile facility. Because juveniles are very, like, sporadic and, you know, they don't always think things through. We do groups. We've made accommodations for Rosa since he has that one-on-one officer with him. We'll have that officer escort Rosa to the rec yard. This is like one of the biggest stories in Miami today. Rosa's attorney's asking the judge to transfer him to the juvenile detention center because he's the youngest of 34 
for juveniles being held at the new juvenile section of this regular prison. Believe Rosa told me he had reached out to his father, to his family. He's been like confirmed talking to his dad using the phone every pris- single day. Prison guard uh, telling the judge that Rosa is under constant supervision in this adult prison. A mental health uh, representative would come from the clinic to evaluate Mr. Rosa. Anything they felt like, okay, well, hold on, you know, that's out of the norm for Rosa or a red light for staff. They would do that protocol to have him seen by medical. No mental health concerns with Mr. Rosa flourishing, if I would say. Yeah, this trial expected to start sometime next year. A new study out of UC Davis Health reveals why teenagers are getting high. Researchers say teens are using cannabis for enjoyment and coping, so no different from when I was a kid. But teens who are using it for these reasons are probably using it more of it. And uh, they say it comes with consequences. That's part of this study. Increased anxiety. They could be having problems in school, getting in trouble with their teachers. If they have jobs, they might be struggling um, with some of their employment requirements. We know this has a big impact on sleep. Dr. Nicole Schultz was uh, one of the authors of this study at UC Davis. So far, I don't hear anything really new or interesting, but she says uh, kids who get high have Hard time concentrating, they act foolish or goofy. Again, uh, seems like it hasn't changed since I was a kid. Start using for enjoyment reasons, might then start using to cope with their problems. So that tells us a lot about how we might change or modify our interventions based on where somebody is in their youth trajectory. Looking at the reasons that teens are using, we might be able to help them identify alternative activities or things that they can do that would provide them with the same kinds of things that they're getting out of cannabis. Yeah, so she says uh, it's important to understand why teens use marijuana as it may pave the way for early and more successful strategies for intervention and prevention before they they go on to heavy-duty drugs. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Happy Friday. Uh, good morning to you, Noam Aladdin. Shut up! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who let this guy in? I mean, my God. Happy Friday. Yeah. The first week of uh, NFL football got underway last night. <laughs> I mean, how do, how do I do it, you know? How do I do it? I wish uh, wish these listeners had eyes in the studio sometimes. Maybe they don't want to. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. Fresh week of NFL football got underway last night on Thursday Night Football. The uh, L.A. Chargers paid the Vegas Raiders a visit just to get absolutely annihilated. I mean, this is a college score here. Uh, Vegas runs up the score on the Chargers 63-21. to Come on. I mean, God. Can we get a good, tight Nice competitive Thursday night football game. It has not happened this season. It, it, it is it is absolutely out of control. I got to fix that next year. I don't know how you can. I mean, uh, the league's just kind of upside down. Anyway, uh, can't they? Don't they used to move games? If they were interesting, they'd move them to like a Monday I know, night the, or Sunday the, night. The Thursday night games are tough to move because these guys prepare their. You know, it, well, it's true. it's not as uh, you don't have as much time to prepare. It's a short week, and it shakes. Uh, it shakes. Yeah, it checks all the players' preparations up, the whole practice week, everything like that. So that's why the Thursday night games usually aren't aren't flexed or changed. You'll see, uh, you know, good teams go from Sunday afternoon to Sunday night. And the Eagles this week actually is is a good example. They got flexed to Monday night football Hmm. to play the Seahawks. So, you know. Oh, isn't that nice? (laughs) Congratulations, Burtz. 
<laughs> uh, the Raiders turned in their best performance of the season last night, responding to Sunday's 3 to nothing loss to Minnesota by scoring 42 points by halftime. They didn't let L.A. cross midfield until the third quarter, and they rolled to the record-setting win. They set a franchise-scoring record, topping the team's 59-14 victory at Denver on October 24th. 2010. It was the most points allowed ever by the Chargers, who gave up 57 to the St. Louis Rams uh, in October of 2000. Locally this weekend, the Jets and Giants are both slated for Sunday afternoon's 1 p.m. window. The Jets will take on the Dolphins in Miami as 9.5-point underdogs, while the Giants kick things off in New Orleans against the Saints as 6-point dogs. On the hardwood in Denver, the Nets fell to the Nuggets by a score of 124-101, to 101, playing in the second of a uh, back-to-back See, game. I would have moved that Giants game to the 4 o'clock game because everybody's watching that game. You know? Right, you know? exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I would never have the Jets and Giants be playing at the same time. They used to not play at the same time. But, right. Yeah. So, hmm. uh, now, you know, maybe you should run the lead. No? I should. Yeah, send in an application. I don't think they make you get up so early. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> I'd get to sleep in. Exactly, exactly. So the uh, the Nets, they were playing the second uh, back-to-back games on the road. They are missing Dennis Smith Jr., uh, who did not make a trip while continuing to recover from an upper back injury. They were, uh, they were led by Spencer Dinwiddie, 17 points, with Cam Thomas adding 13. Tonight, you get the Knicks back on the court in Phoenix against the Suns. Tip-off there, scheduled for 10 p.m. On the ice, no local action last night, but the Rangers and Islanders will be back at it tonight. At 7 p.m., the Rangers will welcome in the Anaheim Ducks while the Islanders host the Boston Bruins a half an hour later at 7.30. And in the world of baseball, on the same day, Shohei Otani dons Dodger Blue for the first time at his introductory press conference. Los Angeles continued to stack up on stardom by trading for frontline starter Tyler Glasnow from the Tampa Bay Rays. The deal is contingent on Glasnow signing a contract extension with uh, Los Angeles, which the parties are hopeful will happen at some point today. Uh, one of the prize starting pitchers on the trade market, Glasnow is among the game's most dominant, and if not for injuries, honestly, would be probably regarded as one of the best uh, starters in baseball. So the Dodgers, they continue to stack up. That's Sports Now, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520, the holiday travel season about to kick into high gear. TSA says it's prepared, and so are the airlines like Southwest. Remember the disaster of Southwest last Christmas? Uh, so many flights canceled. People had vacations ruined. Well, the CEO, Bob Jordan, assures travelers this year will be different. We've invested in... Uh, trucks and new pads and staffing and, and technology. I'm very, very proud of our people. We are ready for winter. Bad weather last year set off this cascade of problems for Southwest and some of the other airlines. According to the TSA, busiest travel teams will be around the Christmas and New Year's holiday. Recommended people arrive to the airport early and you know the drill. Well, Thanksgiving Day, there was snow 97% on time, zero cancels across our entire system. Yes, yeah, so Southwest fixed, say they have fixed what's wrong and they say things will be much better this year. Santa coming to town in artificial intelligence form. A San Francisco-based company has launched an AI-powered Santa Claus. You can ask it anything, and apparently it's great for all ages. At Thanksgiving, I tested it out with my nephews. They were asking everything from explaining that they really wanted Pokemon Go cards for Christmas, but also asking Santa what he likes to do for fun. Uh, Personally, my fiancé and I have even used it just to see what Santa would suggest we serve for Christmas dinner. So that's Bryn Hen, who's with Niantic, which developed this uh, AI Santa. You can chat with the big guy yourself by typing 
asksanta.app in your browser search bar, and then you can have your own conversation with Santa. It is the holiday season, and when it comes to the task of tipping, it can be confusing. We've talked about this on this show before. And we just get such good service, and we really like the people who... Like our sanitation workers and the mail carrier. And- yes, yeah, so the question always is how much to tip everybody. I, I don't have the answer, but I think we do have it here. This is the season to give. It includes giving back to those who have helped you throughout the year. Guidelines range from at least $25 each in a building, if you live in a doorman building, uh, to $150. Uh, the Street Easy Concierge, his name is Carlo Romero, says it's common to be a little more generous in a smaller building when residents have a more personal relationship with the doorman. And sanitation workers apparently appreciate a little extra around the holidays, too. I, I, you know, that's news to me. I didn't know you were supposed to tip the sanitation guys. If it's a smaller building and you have a very personal relationship with those doormen, um, you know, feel free to be more more generous within your means. Ultimately, tipping is very personal, and it's a gesture of your gratitude, so it should always be something, an amount that you're comfortable with. Lou, have you tipped the uh, parking guys yet at our parking garage? Have you decided I, how much you're going to give them? I, I haven't. I'm still mulling it over. I've been going back and forth about it. What are you thinking? I'm thinking I'm going to zero in on the the key guys that, I see on a regular basis. So let's say the more the morning a guy who takes care. I, I see one of two people in the morning. Um, and then I see two guys in the afternoon. Right. So it's like that bearded young guy in the morning. Right. Is, is he still there when you? Yes, born? he's okay. there. And then the two uh, guys who were a little older in the afternoon. Right, right. Uh, Jose is one of them, I know. Yeah. I think he's really a great person. He's that really he is. Good. And then the boss. Yeah. So I'm th- <laughs> I'm still figuring out, like, okay, I want to give them the same amount, I guess, but it's going to be, I guess, four tips I got to give, probably. Right. right? At yeah. least. Yeah. That it's it's a conundrum to say the least. Well, let me know when oh, you do yeah, and how much it is, I so I can match your number. <laughs> I'm waiting for you. Yeah. Right. So when you figure it out, let me know. Okay, I'm I'm getting on it. I'll devote the weekend to it. I'll get out uh, my metrics uh, okay. and, and everything. <laughs> I don't know. So apparently, according to the same uh, concierge, she says you should give mail carriers uh, either twenty or thirty dollars. Apparently, they're prohibited from accepting cash, but he says you should ignore that. Uh, apparently, if you have a baby. Babysitter, you should also throw them whatever you do for a night of babysitting as a tip. Same goes for um, a housekeeper. One week's pay, they say, is a nice tip if you can uh, manage that. Of course, this comes as the cost of everything is up this year. Christmas trees not excluded from inflation. This is the highest I've ever seen. I'm 33, so I've been doing this my whole life. Massachusetts tree lot seeing the cost of trees grow. The manager of this family-run MacArthur's farm, uh, Katie MacArthur, there says this year's prices are for her at a record high. She says she's never had to charge so much for a tree. Nine to ten foot. Awesome. Cathedral ceiling, but. Yeah, <laughs> but. There's trimming it now, right? Because they go fast and nobody has them. 
the price is very high. Yeah, so at this farm, uh, the trees start at $65, which if you're in the New York City area seems perfectly reasonable. They go up to a whopping 700 bucks for a tree that's 20 feet high. But if you go on the street here and you try to buy them off the street, they're a lot, they're a lot more expensive than that. And it is the uh, season of gift giving, but this is the age-old question. Is it better to give or to receive? Several new studies suggest the answer to the age-old question is that giving is better than receiving, uh, giving out charitable donations, gifts. Uh, apparently, it ignites reward centers in your brain when you give something to someone. And they say in this one study, it can extend your life. And if you want a number on that, on average, about 44% longer. You have a 44% less chance of dying in the next five years if you spend a fair amount of your time involved with giving. That's uh, Dr. Don Buckland, who has studied this thing. He's a preventative medicine doctor. He says he's um, proven to decrease blood pressure, reduce stress and depression. He says there's no measure on giving. It can be five bucks or a thousand dollars or just a smile. He says this all will leads to better health. They make your serotonin levels go up. They release natural versions of morphine, those kind of things that make you feel grand. It does not matter the intensity or the depth of giving, but it is the fact of the giving. All right, so your generosity can create what he says is a ripple effect to someone else, and then it is returned to you, so perhaps it's true that you give and you uh, you give and you receive. Is that how it goes? You give and you shall receive? I think it's you give and you shall receive. Wall Street, it closed yesterday with stocks higher once again. This comes after the Dow crossed the 37,000 mark for the first time ever on Wednesday. And the rally, it continued. It comes after big gains in retail sales were reported yesterday. At the closing bell, the Dow gained 158 points. S&P 500 rose 12. The Nasdaq gained 27 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. That is me. Good morning. It is Friday, thank God. December 15th, your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today warmer than it has been. The high is going to be 56. And then the weekend, it looks like this. Saturday, sunshine, high 53. And then Sunday, could see some showers on and off throughout the day, the high 56. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 34 clear in Larchmont. That's up in Westchester County. 25 and clear down in Mendham in New Jersey. And it is 35 and clear outside our Midtown studios. We'll start this half hour out on Long Island where Republicans announced who they're going to run against Tom Swazi to fill the seat for George Santos. You know, the one he was booted out of two weeks ago uh, today, actually. Uh, the woman they've picked, her name is Mozzie Pillup. She will be the one who represents Republicans in February's special election to fill the seat left vacant by George Santos. Pillup, largely unknown Nassau County lawmaker who is an Ethiopian Jew who served in the Israeli Defense Forces. So here's the interesting part. She is a registered Democrat 
and she has no plans on changing her party affiliation, but she will run as a Republican. So she'll run on both the Republican and conservative party lines in the special election. Uh, Joe Cairo, who is head of the Nassau County Republicans, uh, was on Cass and Cosby yesterday to make this announcement and talk about the process of figuring out who was going to be their candidate. Now, of course, they were embarrassed by their last one, George Santos. They didn't do much of a background check or not enough of one. This time they did a very serious background check on all the candidates who wanted to take that seat. We had over 30 people come into us uh, and, and suggest that they would be a good candidate. Many were. Our committee interviewed about two dozen, about 24. We narrowed it down. We did an extensive background search. We uh engaged three different companies, uh, all independent of one another. None of them knew that there was another, none of the three knew that there were other companies doing the same background search. We did it on several of our potential candidates, and in the end, uh, Mozzie uh, came out squeaky clean. Yeah, that's a lot of background checks. Uh, Nassau Republicans have supported Pillup twice in elections for a Nassau County legislative seat, fully aware that she maintained her Democratic uh, registration. They say it's irrelevant. Uh, She will challenge Tom Swazi, of course, well known in the district where he's seeking to retake this seat. Uh, so, um, Mozzie was on yesterday with Katz and Cosby. Of course, they're the other show on at five o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, here's what she had to say. Very excited. I'm very excited that the Republican Party and the Conservative Party together uh, chose me to be the candidate. I'm, uh, I know, I'm confident I'm going to bring victory, uh, because it's all about uh, helping the American people and, uh, I'm the new voice and the new face and, uh, I can't wait for uh, for uh, February 13th. Awfully interesting to see how that will play with Republican voters, a Democrat running as a Republican. I guess the guess here is that it is more blue in that district than it is red. Um, of course, her story is fascinating. This 44-year-old pillup is a mother of seven. She lives in Great Neck now, but it was years ago that she lived in Ethiopia and uh, she says she was woken up in the middle of the night by her mother and told they it was time to leave Ethiopia. Jews had been persecuted in Ethiopia. They had to walk for 24 hours where uh, an Israeli plane met them uh, in the desert and flew them to Israel. And then she made her way to America. So, I mean, a fascinating backstory. It'll be awfully interesting to see how she does in this race against Tom Swazi. Um, Swazi, um, had that seat, if you remember, a number of years ago and then left it to run for governor or to run in the primary against Governor Hochul. That did not go well. And so now he says he deserves to have that seat back. Again, it'll be an interesting race. Of course, we'll watch it right here. 77 WABC. WABC News Time 538. Let's stay on Long Island for a moment. A school custodian accused of making threats against the Cold Spring Harbor School District. This is the story. They say Jimmy Martin applied for a promotion in the district last week. They say when he was informed that he did not get the promotion, he made a threat of mass harm against the school district. And uh, so much so, apparently he said this to co-workers, that the co-workers are the one who went to cops to, well, to report him. Scary because of the world we're living in. We're not living in a safe world. 
And when someone threatens, I take it seriously. So a school administrator informed of the threats, uh, contacted police. Uh, Martin made these threats against the Cold Spring Harbor Junior Senior High, apparently stating that they messed with the wrong guy and everyone is going to get it. He also went on to say he has they have no idea of how much I have. Um, so that's when police went in and made an arrest. That is awful. Sounds like something these days is uh, something that you hear too often. It is scary. I mean, obviously, he's innocent until proven guilty. So Martin, who's 57 years old, we couldn't confirm this, but uh, we had been told that he's a volunteer firefighter in Huntington. And he's been charged with making a threat of mass harm. Now by to let's move over to nearby Queens. A big trafficking ring in Queens busted up after a 15th month investigation leading to nearly a dozen arrests. Investigators say the drug trafficking operation spanned from Jamaica, Queens to Westchester County. And here's the interesting part. It involved a whole bunch of family members of the same family. Authorities say... They seized heroin laced uh, with fentanyl, among other drugs, as well as weapons and about $140,000 in cash when they made this bust. Here's the Queen's DA, Melinda Katz. You have to have places that you can go without worrying that the person next to you is dealing fentanyl or heroin. And as the district attorney, um, I think it's part of our responsibility to use any resource we have to get to the heads of it. How crazy, though, that family members working together as drug traffickers, allegedly, this according to the Queens District Attorney, they say 50-year-old James Andrews employed members of his family, including his brothers, his wife, and his girlfriend. Nobody said maybe we shouldn't be involved in this, but I guess if the cash is coming in like it was, maybe it's hard to say no. Uh, apparently, they supplied uh, his crew with heroin and cocaine. They went out and sold it. Now, uh, a bunch of these folks, these defendants in this case, could face up to 20 years in prison. Let's go up to the Bronx. One day shy of the three-month mark of this drug-related death of this one-year-old at a Bronx daycare. Do you remember this story? God, was this office. Nicholas Dominci. Do you remember him? He was in a Bronx daycare center, and he died from fentanyl exposure. Apparently, there was a drug pill mill in the back of this home daycare center. Uh, two other kids were sick. Thank God they survived. So now lawmakers trying to push through some legislation that will protect parents so they don't find themselves in this situation again where they don't know exactly what's going on in a daycare center. This proposed legislation coming from city council members and state lawmakers would bolster daycare regulations overseen by the Office of Children and Family Services by giving parents the right to inspect the entire daycare facility. Now, in the case of that Bronx story, that awful one, it was a back room that apparently was the pill mill. So now they say, if this bill goes through, that parents will get the tour of the entire facility, but they can also ask to open every single room in that facility to make sure that it's okay. Here's the lawmakers talking about this up in the Bronx yesterday. We want to make sure that parents don't have to have this worry going forward. We'll address... uh, Parents, providers, and inspectors. We have to make sure that daycare centers, whether they are licensed in homes or in other places, are truly safe. And if this bill goes through, daycare providers would be required to receive opioid overdose training and keep Narcan 
on the premises. Inspectors, meanwhile, will be required to look for drug and drug paraphernalia during their inspections. How horrible is that? That that has to be part of the process. You're going into a daycare center. Now part of your gig is to make sure they're not making drugs in the daycare center. How crazy is that? Uh, while we're in the Bronx, it has been crazy for those people who were in that building that essentially fell apart earlier this week. The process to demolish uh, part of this Bronx building that partially collapsed getting underway. This was yesterday afternoon. Some tenants finally allowed back inside to retrieve their belongings for the first time since they were forced out. Even those with apartments weren't uh, weren't in the collapsed uh, section had to wait for the Department of Buildings to let them in. And when they did go in, they had just a short window to grab stuff, about 20 or 30 minutes. The documents, some clothes, my mother asked, and my brother asked. The worst part is that I have pets upstairs that are lost and I can't find them, so it's like really stressful. I mean, we heard that story from a couple of people who said they had raced out of there without their pets. Now they don't know where they are. One man saying his six-floor apartment was exposed in the partial collapse. He could point to his furniture. He could see it from the outside. He also says he feared for the safety of his two cats, unable to rescue them before he was forced out. And they're going to be housed in a shelter downtown in Manhattan, as far as my understanding is, until further notice. He should not be a landlord. He should not be an owner of any type of building, any type of facilities to house people, because everything that has happened here has been absolutely inhumane and disgusting. So many of these residents have been living in this building for decades, had been complaining of crumbling structural issues, for the past few years. Now the Red Cross is uh, helping 54 of these displaced families, but their temporary shelter, it ends Friday, today. So the City Housing Preservation Department is working to rehouse them. Uh, investigators have yet to determine what caused Monday's collapse, but we know the property had over 100 open violations and countless complaints from residents. So, so we'll find out where they're housed and we'll let you know. All right. Five, of course, it's an awful time of year to have to find a new place to live. Not that that the story would be bad any time of year, but of course, especially so during the holidays. All right, five forty-five. Let's head over to the seventy-seven WABC Sports Desk and Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Layden. A fresh week of NFL football got underway last night on Thursday Night Football. The LA Chargers paid the Vegas Raiders a visit just to get absolutely annihilated by Vegas, sixty-three to twenty-one. The Raiders turned in their best performance of the season last night, responding to Sunday's 3 to nothing loss to Minnesota by scoring 42 points by halftime, not letting the Los Angeles Chargers cross midfield until the third quarter and rolling to the record-setting win. They set a franchise-scoring record, topping the team's 59-14 victory at Denver in October of 2010. It was the most points allowed by the, ever by the Chargers, who gave up 57 to the St. Louis Rams in October of 2000. Locally this weekend, the Jets and Giants are both slated for Sunday afternoon's 1 p.m. window. The Jets will take on the Dolphins in Miami as nine-and-a-half-point underdogs, while the Giants kick things off in New Orleans against the Saints as six-point dogs. On the hardwood in Denver, the Nets fell to the Nuggets by a score of 124-101, to playing the second of back-to-back games on the road. The Nets were missing Dennis Smith Jr., who did not make the trip while continuing to recover from an upper back injury. They were led by Spencer Dinwiddie's 17 points, with Cam Thomas added 13. Tonight, the Knicks are back on the court in Phoenix against the Suns. Tip-off there is scheduled for 10 p.m. On the ice, no local action last night, but the Rangers and Islanders will be back at it tonight. At 7 p.m., the Rangers will welcome in the Anaheim Ducks, while the Islanders host the Boston Bruins a half an hour later at 7.30. And in the world of baseball, on the same day, Shohei Otani dons Dodger Blue for the first time at his introductory press conference. 
Los Angeles continued to stack up on stardom by trading for frontline starter Tyler Glasnow from the Tampa Bay Rays. The deal is contingent on Glasnow signing a contract extension with L.A., which the parties are hopeful will happen at some point today. He is one of the prized starting pitchers on the trade market, and if not for injuries over the course of his career, would be regarded as one of the best starters in baseball. As a Yankees fan in the AL East, good to see him get out of the division there. No, that's sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. Uh, it continues to be this impeachment inquiry down in Washington. The White House calling that inquiry into President Biden a baseless political stunt. They're wasting their time. Instead of doing the work of, on behalf of the American people, they go after the president's family. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre telling reporters that there's zero evidence of any wrongdoing by the president. What we're seeing from House Republicans is wasted time, and it is certainly baseless political stunt. What happened to the funding to Ukraine? Just ask me about Ukraine. They haven't been able to get that done. They haven't been able to help us fix what's going on at the border. There is no evidence that the president has done wrongdoing. There's none. Republicans, of course, pushing back against that idea. One of them, Congressman Mike McCaw of Texas, says the White House left them with no choice. The White House counsel said they would not cooperate until we had an, a formal official vote on the House floor. No doubt you know that Republicans feel the president benefited financially from his son's foreign business dealings. We know there's enough predication to open up a special counsel investigation into this. So I don't understand why they think this is so politicized. And there'll be a push on the part of the Republicans anyway to officially vote on this impeachment before next year's election. President Biden says he wants Israel to be more careful in its attacks on Hamas. I want them to be focused on how to save civilian lives, not stop going after Hamas, but be more careful. There's been a lot of back and forth between Israel and the U.S. over those comments over the last couple of days. This is the second time he said that first time publicly. The Israelis saying the war with Hamas, the, the first thought was that it might just be weeks longer. But the Israeli prime minister suggesting it could be months longer before they root out all those Hamas militants and terrorists. Uh, back home, a more comical story, this long whole horn bull. No longer on the loose in Newark, New Jersey, after escaped from a nearby slaughterhouse. We got a call from New Jersey Transit early yesterday morning. Well, it wasn't so early. Maybe it was 1030 or so saying, do you see what's going on there? And uh, we didn't. So thanks, thanks to them for alerting us. Um, this bull first spotted roaming the tracks near uh, Newark Penn Station. This was about 1030 yesterday. This can't be happening in Jersey. Crazy. <laughs> It's crazy, but I'm glad that they got him, and I'm glad he's safe. Yeah, so no train hit this um, bull that was on the tracks. Uh, it stopped service for about 45 minutes between Newark Penn Station and Penn Station, New York. Uh, here was a guy who was on a train that was rolling into Newark Penn, and he couldn't believe what he was seeing. People were just like, well, maybe he's running from the slaughterhouse. The conductor's like, there's a bull on the track. And I said, what? I thought he was he was joking around, and then the train slowed down, and he's like, there it is, there it is. So it was spotted at the train station, then they lost sight of it for a while. Uh, somehow it then ended up near Newark Airport. Uh, they were able to fence it in in a parking lot there, shoot it with a tranquilizer, and then uh, well, hand it over to an animal sanctuary where they did. And everybody was moving back, and they were like, you better move because he's going to run. And I seen enough bulls 
to see that you can't get in their way. Okay, uh, Skyland Farms, that's the sanctuary that this bull now live out the rest of its life on. Here's the owner who picked up the bull yesterday and brought him back to northern New Jersey. He's got some big brands on him and bloody marks from them branding him. and He's probably had a rough life a little bit. He has to go through a lot of tests now before he can get near any other animals. Uh, make sure he's healthy and he's not got any diseases or anything like that that can be a threat to the other animals. This is his first chance at life. He had no chance before. Yeah, well, you know, no they, doubt. They would have killed him for sure. Yeah, he was off to slaughter. Uh, don't know how they negotiate that. I guess once the bull's out, um, then they don't want it back. They didn't ask, apparently, so now it'll live on that farm up in northwestern New Jersey. Uh, Here in the city, an investigation continues after NYPD cops shot a man who was barricaded inside his apartment. This was on the Lower East Side. NYPD Chief of Department Jeff Madry says officers went to question Kent Edwards regarding a shooting on the Upper East Side when he barricaded himself in a bathroom inside his apartment on Eldridge Street. They started off with the scout which is a small camera that's able to roll inside. Uh, the male was able to render the scout useless. Uh, our emergency service used a small drone to go inside. The male took a broom and swatted the drone out of the air and basically destroyed it. And Edwards allegedly fired at least four shots at the officers, striking their ballistic shields. Thank God nobody hurt. Officers returned fire. They killed uh, Edwards. He has 11 prior arrests dating back to 1995. His last arrest was on February 23rd for a rape. He was wanted for a 2023 non-fatal shooting in Manhattan. When you talk about a close call, of course it was a close call. You have three bullets into the bunkers, of uh, three bullets inside of bunkers, which could have easily been three bullets inside of officers. Yeah, thank God those officers not hurt. The MTA, NYPD, starting a crackdown of vehicles blocking bus lanes in the city. New York City Transit President Richard Davey says a task force compromising of 100 NYPD traffic agents are going around ticketing private and commercial vehicles. We have over 2 million customers who use buses around New York City every day, and they are being slowed down by double-parked cars, cars parked in bus stops, and cars using uh, bus lanes. Yeah, I saw them giving out those tickets yesterday, big time. Sanitation Commissioner Jessica Tisch unveiling new technology yesterday that she says will track the progress of snow plows and salt spreaders in real time. It replaces this outdated technology that was introduced back in 2015. A street by street and route by route, we can track plowing and or spreading progress. So in the past, here's been the complaint that wealthier neighborhoods get plowed first Mayor Adams says, well, now you'll be able to watch to see if that's true. We must make sure that all of our streets, with all of our pedestrians, with all of our citizens, are received fair distribution of resources. Yes, the sanitation department says it has the biggest snow crew that it's had in decades going into this season with a fleet of new trucks. Up in the uh, Hudson Valley, we were watching on as parents dropped off their kids at Monhagen Middle School yesterday. This was a day after two 13-year-olds got into a fight. One pulled out a knife and stabbed the other three or four times. The school went into lockdown. Yesterday, they had metal detectors that kids had to go through. It's nothing we could do. It's a, You send your kids into other people's hands for the day, but you got to have confidence that they keep them safe. I would think that there's some need to look into this a little deeper than an incident that took place in a, a, a moment. 
Now, the good news is that 13-year-old expected to survive the other one arrested. And finally, it is time to turn out the lights at the Sheraton Crossroads in Mawa. If you've driven around that area, no doubt you've seen that building from the Skyway. Reservations manager Laura Quigley was there to help host its grand opening gala back in 1988. And 36 years later, she was there on their final day yesterday. There have been a lot of tears, and there's probably going to be more tomorrow. You know, it's all going to be missed. You know, it kept you busy. It was very busy. The 22-story hotel was so much more than iconic building in the, I guess, northern Bergen County skyline. For many who stayed there and worked there, it was their second home, including Mira Siberian, who had worked there for 20 years as the head of housekeeping. I'm talking to you right now, and I feel like I want to cry. My heart is just beeping hard. Uh, my stomach, I feel butterflies. You know, my early days of radio, uh, when I was at a tiny little station in northern New Jersey, I used to host the a women's tennis professional match there, host their concerts. I felt like a bigwig. But it was a beautiful property, but just not as many people staying there as used to. So the mayor of Mawa says, uh, looks like this building will be turned into some sort of warehouses for Amazon companies like that. It's been a, a fixture in our township for many years part of our family. They've always treated the township very well. It's, it's got its good and bad. We hate to see the Sheridan go, but then we look forward to, you know, what the future brings. Yeah.